You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. I noticed. Hey, Bob. I noticed, in addition to the fact that you're looking uh, pretty unkept, that you're holding up a jar with a label on it that says "Vial of Death." That's V-I-A-L. Correct. Death, as it's normally spelled. Tell us, Mickey, what's the the backstory there? Didn't you uh, didn't you see what Farrakhan said about the vaccine? Oh, it's a vial of death. How he come you always know more than I do about what's going on? That, he, that that's um, I have to get our potato, which is the symbol of Bob being out of it. But uh, he said that it's not a very encouraging thing to take a vial of death. But I thought we were talking about names for smuckers. If it's called you know painful rectal itch, it has to be good. Yeah. Uh, so if it's called Vial of Death, imagine how it has to be a, super good. I imagine would, how good this jam is. I would is chug a, that thing if I were you right before our very is, eyes. This is a very expensive bottle of jam. Yeah. And Vial of Death. It's um So that explains I think it's be delicious. This explains why I saw somebody on Twitter say I didn't even realize Farrakhan was still alive. This must have been after he said this. He's not only alive, he gave a big speech denouncing the vaccine and said everybody should listen to Robert Kennedy Jr., with whom he's communicating on the dangers of vaccines. You know, Kennedy is a, is a vaccine nut. Is he? Now, is he the one who worked for Fox for a long time? Fox News? I don't think so. One of, one of Bobby Kennedy's sons did and may still be. Um, huh. Well, the, anyway, uh, he's... Well, that's not exactly uh, the ideal message for... Uh, any followers Farrakhan still has, I would say, right now. Um, uh, I think he still has a lot of followers. But, well, uh, then that's unfortunate because we would like people to get vaccinated. Now, there's also this, speaking of which, I was going to get your reaction to this. This is from the New York Times. There's this issue, you know, the Johnson Johnson vaccine is, is now being actually distributed. And so there's the issue of discrimination arises. Here's what the New York Times said. The challenge in the U.S. is especially acute in the context of racial and economic disparities exacerbated by the pandemic. If a vaccine thought to be less effective, though still well above the threshold of 50% set forth last summer by reg- federal regulators, uh, which J&J is, um, anyway, if such a vaccine is used overwhelmingly in communities of color, it could erode trust, I, I, I guess, meaning uh, they could say they were discriminated against. And and my first thought was, isn't um, aren't the more likely areas of uh, J&J distribution like rural areas? I mean, a lot of inner city areas often have access to these like big arenas and things. Am I wrong about I this? I think the theory is that they can go door to door. With uh, the J&J? Yeah. Seriously? Seriously, do why that? not? But well, that's just, I haven't heard anything about uh, ordering out for vaccines. I have not heard well, that that's a thing. It's um, it's Uber Vax, don't you know? It's coming to your neighborhood. No, but I'm um, kind of serious. It seems like rural area. I, I mean, this could be an issue, right? It's totally an issue. The mayor of Detroit said he doesn't want people to take it because it's a second-rate vaccine. So, oh, so, then maybe the Times is right. That's not a rural area, is it? Detroit, as I recall? Correct. Um, um, but... uh. Well, no, it's a big, it's, it's a big problem. I mean, every, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, you know, a lot of people said, well, they wanted to wait. And so I thought it was a good thing if they let the rich white guys take it first and then the 
then people could see it wasn't poisonous and they could take it themselves. But now it's turning out to be a disaster because the rich white guys got the good vaccine <laughs> and everybody else is left with the J&J. So I think they have to serve them up the the better vaccines. Why not? But then what do they do with the J&J? The country, you know, the Well, there are rural areas and, you know, and some Yeah, but then they'll complain it. that it's a blue state plot. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That that the red that the red the red areas are being oppressed again by global well, and the elites. Catholics and Catholics don't like it either because of the role of uh, fetal cells right in its development. So that's a whole bunch of people. Yeah, I think it's a problem. Not, not a just Catholics. It's a challenge, as we say. Um, but probably a lot of evangelicals will will sing that tune too, right? I don't know. Good question. Uh, now, I looked so, into the numbers a little. We don't have to get into this right now. But in trying to figure out how, you know, there was a lot of kind of facile reassurance about the J&J vaccine, right? Like, you know, an NPR, well, we call the doctor to see whether it's really inferior. And then they quote the doctor saying, they're both super great vaccines, you know, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Um, but the fact is, its efficacy rate is uh, much lower, according to the uh, the trial oh. three. They're all- there are, all, there are also all these headlines about J&J is now popular, one and done. You don't have to come back. So, uh, Well, there are people who value that. Yeah, some people will value that. And um, I, I don't know. Let's see what happens. I, what I don't like is what I don't like is the um, is this PC thing where if you talk about hesitancy, you're blaming the victim. It's, it, it's, it's, it's racist to say that that uh, that minorities are hesitant well the you know if you mentioned tuskegee enough people are going to think you might be a little hesitant and that's a big problem for for government to to solve and it's it's not it's not racist to not ignore it so uh, well now you're talking about hesitancy about vaccines at all not not right not about but, but well it's just a question of access let's get the access right well get get the access right but also worry about the hesitancy i mean yeah, they have to address it now. If we have the mayor of Detroit and Farrakhan and the Catholic Church out there denouncing this vaccine, it's going to have to be addressed. You can't, you can't paper. Yeah, it I over. think it's a it's a bigger problem than people are saying. Um, I mean, the thing. Yeah. So you know, first of all, you know, I think we have never on this show at least said what it is that efficacy rate means. I think I'm now clear on it. Do you know what efficacy okay. rate means? No. Go ahead. Okay. Here's what it means. If the efficacy rate is 95%, which it is for Pfizer and Moderna, means that according to these studies, um, you know, if if I, a vaccinated person, and an unvaccinated person are faced with the exact same situation, like guy with COVID coughing in our face, my chances of getting COVID are one twentieth of the guy who didn't get vaccinated. That's what a 95% efficacy rate means. So that means okay. that... that the J&J number, which was it was 66% globally and 72% in the U.S., but with a 66% number, that means my chances are one in three of the chances that an unvaccinated person has. I like one in 20 better than one in three. That's that's pretty, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, they're, they're so they're acting. So, they're suddenly acting so dismissive of these numbers, having having hailed the 95 percent originally and said, hey, folks, we got great news. Now they're saying these numbers don't really mean anything. Take the and J&J. The reason the reason the J&J is enough is because if everybody got it, we would have enough for herd immunity. Well, that's the reason from a public health perspective, uh, you definitely want to get it out there. 
it, it is better for everyone if you get it out there. On the other hand, it's it's better for any given individual to be among those who get the Pfizer or the Moderna. That's assuming we can trust these numbers. And there is uh, that's assuming the numbers say what they seem to say. But there is the counter argument that J&J was tested later after more variants had spread. And, and, it, and it may well be that if uh, Pfizer had been tested in this environment, its number would be lower than 95%. And there, I, and there's I, something, there may be something to that. Um, the, it, it was tested I'm trying not later. to get on the variant bandwagon. The, it seems to me, as a completely ignorant layman, that variants are the latest thing that is being used by the, the, uh, the official community to scare people into not relaxing their guard, which is a worthy goal, but um, maybe uh, I, I think they genuinely don't know enough about the the uh, South African and the uh, Brazilian. There's good news, kind of, about the the South African in uh, this week. Um, apparently, they have a they have a vaccine pretty much, I think, ready to go. First of all, that targets it, and and and, and what this study this week found in effect, is that um, the vaccine, a vaccine, this vac- a vaccine tailored to the South African variant would also be, still be effective against the other variants, which wasn't something huh. you could take for granted. But it's like, huh. uh, yeah. you know. And, and I should say that the there there is some establishment noise about scariants attacking the press for scaring people about the variants. So, yeah, well, uh, I can't. It's not a, it's not a concerted PR effort. So you want to quickly hear the other things I learned in my deep dive into the numbers? Well, sure. But I, just to get, let's talk about Mickey first. Mickey <laughs> has one dose of Moderna, 80%. That means my chances are one in are one fifth, right? The chances of an ordinary person. But until you get your second dose, that's, that's yeah. about right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean the, the take home of all of this, the efficacy rates is, is I realized that, uh, you know, the, the key, the, you know, half of the power of the vaccine is the fact that everyone else is getting it. So it's like when, you know, when I was young and I get that sugar cube with a vaccine, I think that was smallpox. Do you remember the sugar cubes? I remember and, the sugar cubes. I thought that was the Sabin. Whatever it was, maybe it was polio. I don't know. Yeah, but whatever it was, it was the I, polio. I was thinking now because I'm taking this, I have no chance of getting the disease. And I was right about having no chance, but actually the reason I had no chance was not because of my vaccine alone. It was right. because of the whole vaccine program. Right, right. Um, anyway, one-fifth one, one is not good enough for me, so I guess I better show up for the second dose. I, I don't know. I just think I'm not going to be able to keep obsessing about this. I'm just going to, once I get my second dose at least, I'm just going to go go cut loose and go crazy. You know, go I to Texas what, and walk around and shit. That's what everybody's going to do, but – um. I had I, I had thought, you know, I hadn't realized that there was still a lot of anxiety out there of people who haven't gotten any vaccine at all. Because I got it really easily. So I figured, hey, oh, yeah, it's still hell? a problem. Still a problem. Yeah. New Jersey's a mess, I can tell you. By the way, uh, I can report that I now wish I had gotten Moderna. I've gotten the first dose of Pfizer. But really? Want, why? Because this may not be that meaningful. But if you look at the. Uh, efficacy rates for serious COVID. And first of all, what can be said on behalf of J&J is that, is that their efficacy rate reported for 
you know, severe COVID disease was 85%. And Pfizer's is only 89%. Right. And Moderna's is uh, better. Now, these numbers don't inspire as much trust as the generic efficacy rates because they don't involve as many cases. So, for example, with, with Pfizer... One person who got vaccinated uh, got serious COVID. Nine people who didn't get vaccinated got serious COVID. And that's how you get the 89%. But that's okay. not a lot of numbers. However, with Moderna, you will be happy to hear. Zero people who got the vaccine got serious COVID. 30 in the control group, in the placebo group, got it. So you should be happy. Uh, I am happy. That's Go 100%. 100% serious COVID. Go Moderna. Final thing, final number? Want the final number? Yeah. One thing you've heard that they they uh, they say is, you know, they say this about, one thing you hear about J&J, you know, is they say, and, and about all these vaccines, is they say, have you heard this? Like, the bottom line is, no one who got the vaccine died of COVID. Have you heard this? No, but that's a good, that's a good line. It's a terrible line. You know why? Because <laughs> there's long-term effects of not dying of COVID that no, are really because, bad. Like in the Pfizer study, in the 20,000 people who got the vaccine, it's true. Zero died of COVID. You know how many died among the 20,000 who didn't get the vaccine? Zero. Zero. In, <laughs> with Moderna, it's zero and one. Now, with J&J, I will say it's zero and five. Zero who got the vaccine died, five who didn't die. And that maybe lends credence to the idea that it was tested in a more challenging yeah, environment no. with more variants that, that were not only more transmissible, but more lethal. So maybe that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. You bury the lead. That I, I wanted to build number. up to a crescendo. <laughs> okay. That was okay. a crescendo. That's all Farrakhan trick too. Vial of death. Um, Good name for a rock group. So is it, is it better than the scariants? Is what better? Oh, oh, the Scariants would be, you know, a good folk, a folk group. <laughs> Vial of Death um, would be heavy metal. Uh, I think that's right. They they are open for access of evil. Yeah, um, that's an access, inside joke. That's a parrot room joke. That's access a, of evil. That's access an Anthony Blinken evil. joke. You know, our non parrot room audience does not know perhaps that you went to a rock concert with Anthony Blinken, Mickey. Well, he was a friend of friends of mine. We went and saw the. The reunion of uh, the reunion uh, of Anthony and Mickey. Let's say no, was, just to bail was, you out of this this alarmingly Joe Biden esque. It was the reunion of big star Alex Chilton's band. Okay, when Alex Chilton was still alive, and Anthony Blinken. Not that this is enough to compensate for his foreign policy, but made, he made a funny joke. He he's a he's a guitarist. He's actually released some tracks on the web. Uh, and he said there should be a band name called Axes of Evil. Yes. A-X-E-S, um, folks. But Axes um, in guitar. He hasn't been... Has he been bad lately? He's He's been tough on China. We like that. Uh, like that. Wait, what did he do to China? I'm not sure we like it, but what, how was he tough on China? I forget now. <laughs> he gave some speech that... that uh, oh, he, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He gave a speech where he said... We will be uh, – oh, there was some supposedly resounding line that I made fun no, of on he, Twitter. He, what he said was – what he said was 
we were wrong before we didn't realize the swath of destruction that trade with China would cause to our workers, and we're not going to do that again, which I thought was a very heartening sign. And Alan Tonelson, Alan Tonelson blog that, you know, Biden is continuing Trump's policies. When is he going to, on trade, when is he going to admit it uh, that, that, you know, he hasn't ripped up Trump's playbook? Uh, That's on trade, not on the Uyghurs. Not on the Uyghurs. Well, they're they're claiming that they're going to take a, a tough line on human rights stuff, and and uh, you know I uh, we're, uh, I suspect they'll take a tougher one than Trump did on balance globally. Um, and, and also before the the strikes in Syria, which I know were not something you would do, uh, they they were in contact with the Iranians to say, hey, these are just strikes. We don't want to disrupt the relationship. This isn't aggressive. We're just this is all very calibrated. We just want to tell these guys not to fuck with us. So well, better than uh, not saying that. Uh, but uh, but on the Iran front generally, uh, God knows they don't seem to be in any hurry to uh, restore this nuclear deal. And they've, uh, I think, made it needlessly difficult at this point. And, and that strike did not help. The strike, the strike, you know, you can you can make all the phone calls you want, but the strike uh, makes it. A little harder for the for the Iranians to play ball. We didn't do the we didn't do a second strike that was planned because a woman and child wandered into the view. Well, they saw a woman and child like in the courtyard. That just underscores that they don't know who's at these facilities. The woman and child were probably indoors at the one they did bomb. For all they know, by the way, they did. Uh, there was uh, subsequently an attack on Amer- an American base in Iraq, a missile attack that didn't kill anybody or anything. Um, but the, I, I will give, uh, at least Biden didn't retaliate for that. Uh, didn't, didn't well, turn that, it into an escalation. Was that thing. a retaliation for the strike? It wouldn't, Biden wouldn't shock me if it was kind of a shot across the, yeah. But wow. it's like, no, we will fuck with you. Yeah. I, I think they would like <laughs> to send that message. I mean, they want us out of Iraq. I mean, I mean, most Iraqis, I think, want us out of Iraq. Iran wants us out of Iraq. Uh, so it's very, I, it, it's very when, 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 I guess one of the original Iraq wars was planned. William Safai wrote a column saying we're going to set up democracy in Iraq and then they'll kick us out. That's what they do. He didn't say when then was, I guess. No, but he implied it was pretty quickly. And yet in the event, we don't want to leave or we can't leave. No, we seem to never leave. It seems like Biden isn't going to meet the May 1st deadline for withdrawal uh, from Afghanistan that Trump had negotiated either. Well, as long as you, you link to a, a, an article that, uh, that attacked Albright and various people for resisting uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. But are you just comfortable with the fact that when we withdraw, the Taliban are going to take over and women's education and empowerment is going to be dead and it's I'm going not, to be like a nightmare there for a few decades. I'm not comfortable with it. I mean, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but if if the only way uh, to prevent that is for us to stay there forever, um, I just think ultimately you have to let you have to let countries work out their own things. And and I mean, I mean, I'll give you an example. It, it would not surprise me if we'd be in a better place. Uh, than we are now. Had the Taliban continued to, uh, you know, ha- had we not invaded in the first place, uh, and 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 Taliban rule, who knows, might have evolved in its nature. I don't know. But it's like Vietnam, you know. It's like, what should we have stayed there forever? As it happens, we didn't. And in the short term, things were worse as a result of that. Probably, 
in the long term, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a country that's doing pretty well and we're on pretty good terms with. Um, I, that could not have happened without us leaving, I think. It's, um, it's, 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 diff- it's a difficult, it's a difficult choice you it, make. It's, and, it's, and not- it's why we shouldn't have screwed up Afghanistan in 35 ways starting during the Carter administration to begin with. It's not a binary choice, though. I mean, if we could preserve the westernized areas around Kabul with presence of five soldiers, uh, would you do it? I think you would. Yeah, but so it's, it's notable. It's, a balance. it's not it's like, like what zero we, or, or everything. What do we have there now? Like 7,500 or something? I mean, not very many. If, 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 if such a small contingent is what stands between Afghanistan and catastrophe. What does that say about the inability of that government to uh, fight for itself, right? I mean, it's like, you know, I, I don't, I mean, it's you know, we have great weapons and everything, but we could give them some of those weapons, right? I mean, why is it that after 20 years we can't prepare the situation such that the government would have a fighting chance. I, I, it's hard to believe that they have much popular support if that's the case. I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. All my knowledge of the superiority of the American soldier, it comes from the movie Black Hawk Down, which I realized was a work of cinematic license uh, and not necessarily militarily realistic, but it basically portrays one American soldier as worth a hundred of uh, the people attacking them. Unfortunately, there were 200 people attacking them, so they got killed. But um, Yeah, but aren't these people trainable? I mean, there may be certain kinds of weapons we just don't want to leave behind. Maybe we don't want to leave night vision goggles. I don't know. But uh, still, I, 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 you would think that if the government has much intrinsic support, we could uh, prepare things so that they'd have a chance. I don't know. And wait, so what do you think Biden does in Afghanistan? Probably kick the can down the road and say, can we negotiate for another six months? And then who knows? But we have an agreement. Doesn't he have to stick with the agreement? He rips up Trump's withdrawal agreement. uh, He might get he might convince the Taliban to extend things six months. I don't know. Taliban uh, uh, Trump ripped up the the Iran deal. Apparently it happens. And and. Well, don't get me started on that, on Biden's failure to uh, to act um, in recognition of that's the, uh, the fact that that's the history of this, that, that you know, we're the ones so, who reneged on the deal. We, we shouldn't sit, sit around demanding that they go first. So we should just say we want back in the deal. Sanctions are gone. Here we are. Um, and what if they say... Well, That's the idea is that we're continuing these enrichment programs. Sorry. The idea, given that what happened was we we left the deal, we abandoned the deal. Uh, Iran remained in compliance for months and months and months. And then slowly, incrementally, in hopes of pressuring us to get back in or in hopes of getting more sanctions relief from Europeans or something, they they then started becoming non-compliant in these very measured increments, clearly like a negotiating tactic. Right. Given that that's the sequence of events, for us to say what Biden is saying, which is we're not going to we're not going to get any sanctions relief until you come back completely in compliance. That's bullshit. We reneged on the deal. 
They so we should do some sort of staged. We we remove well, these if sanctions. Anybody, if anybody is going to have to go first, it should obviously be the party that reneged. Okay, this is just common sense. Now, it would be easy to quietly negotiate the kind of thing you're describing if Biden wanted that, right? To say, well, we're kind of going at the same time. But it's Biden who, who, or, or maybe Blinken was the first one who did this, but somebody in the administration who first made this very public demand, you go first. What, you know, what? Anyway, time is running out. They've got an election in, I think, June in Iran. And, uh, why, is, get, why does that, why does that affect things? Well, because right now you have a moderate president, Rouhani, who, you know, and the failure to, to restore the deal and, and just the way we've treated them generally, increases the chances that you won't have a moderate president. And the president isn't the ultimate leader of Iran, but the president is a very significant figure. And if the president doesn't want a deal, there won't be one. Uh, Sometimes uh, people say, uh, we got to get rid of these sanctions. We have to be softer and cave into the Americans. You don't think that ever happens? Wait, that, that, uh, you mean, is there a big cave-in contingency in Iran? Well, sometimes, sometimes the result is you elect a harder liner. Sometimes the result is you elect a softer liner, right? I don't think, I don't think somebody more moderate than Rouhani is in the cards, okay. given the lay of the land. And again, again, given the fact he went out on a limb and did this deal and it has brought them nothing but grief and sorrow because we reneged and, yeah. and we brought the rest of the world with us and, and, and kind of forced them to maintain the sanctions yeah. Yeah. as a practical matter. So, no, no, you think somebody's going to win on the platform of cooperate with the Americans now? Yeah. Okay. Not in my bailiwick. I defer to you. I will say, finally, there was a little bit of good news this week. Uh, the U.S. backed off on a threat it had made or something. So things are slightly more hopeful at the moment. Yeah. The, um, but what is in my bailiwick, Bob, as you remember from the New Republic days, is welfare. And the Gosh. reason I'm, the reason I'm, I was late. This morning, the first reason I was late uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically late. I'm usually punctual. You know who was punct? You know who always showed up on time? I I learned this from a friend of a friend. Who? Uh, one of the least likely people you would think, Bob Marley. <laughs> always always showed up on time. So I am less pr- punctual that, than that, Bob. That's Marley. bad for his image. We shouldn't say uh, that publicly. Yeah, um, the. Uh, I mean, this is actually a a brilliant move on the part of the Democrats. They've managed to sneak the restoration of wealth, in effect, welfare payments to poor people who don't work and to rich people who don't work for that matter uh, uh, into the COVID bill where it's been completely ignored and they're voting on it like now. And uh, the press didn't pay attention to it at all. So it sort of snuck through stealthily. Uh, until recently, when the administrators started to boast about it, now it's getting some attention. But it's uh, and it's it's it, it's only for one year. But the theory is, after a year, they'll you know they'll never be able to take the checks away, so they'll vote to extend it further. Yeah. And it's universal. It's more universal, so it goes. The checks don't just go to the poor the way AFTC did the the old welfare program. They go to the poor and anybody up to seventy five thousand who has a kid. Uh, three thousand dollars a year per kid, or thirty six hundred per kid, uh, 
And so it, it has alleged that political cover in theory. I think our regular uh, viewers and listeners are familiar with everything you've said so far. Really? Yeah. I think we've made something of a ritual of talking about this. Really? Okay. I was told I was just from a, it, I just came from a radio show where they said I was too technical, but okay. Uh, so I don't mean every anyway, anyway bowl, it's all the key point is there are two, there are two sort of things that may be new. One is I, it's very hard for me to get anybody interested in it. Not obviously the you, Democrats. You're not kidding. Uh, the Democrats are not interested. The press isn't interested because they like it. Half the Republicans like Ralph Douthat and Ramesh Panuru are, are for it. Douthat for natalist reasons. The Catholics are for it for natalist reasons. So they, it's being pitched as a way to avoid abortion. You know, you could have an abortion or you can get this, but you, we're giving this $6,000 check for two kids if you don't, have an abortion, so there'll be, presumably be fewer abortions. Uh, and and the second thing is, of course, that uh, a lot of the terms that we used back in the day, in the um, in the mid '90s when this was a hot hot issue, like underclass, are now politically suspect. I mean, I I just wrote a. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody use the term underclass. The fear was that welfare subsidized an underclass of non Where, where underclass meant a kind of a culture of poverty, or what? Concentrated geographically, right? But so but it was, but, it was but the a, idea a culture, was yes that, that that a culture had developed which itself sustained well, the poverty. Well, it, that was my idea. The the underclass was bravely promoted by William Julius Wilson. Who did not use the term culture? Who he was term, who was black for our younger viewers? A, an eminent sociologist now at Harvard, and 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 he talked about structural factors like like none of the men in the community have jobs. Okay, right. So that they're not marriageable. So there's no marriage. Doesn't really involve a cultural mechanism. It involves a lack of opportunity, lack of jobs in the neighborhood. Uh, okay. Uh, people like. You know, there's a long tradition of talking about the culture of poverty dating back to Michael Harrington, who is definitely on the left. So it sh I wouldn't think it should be racist. But I think now it's I nobody's bought. I've been shopping around an op ed. No, nobody's nobody's buying it. OK, well, like uh, I told I you, think, as I said well, last week, I mean, a, a pandemic that's wiped out uh, millions of jobs is is a is a difficult time to get people concerned about work incentives, right? Because incentives don't seem to be the problem right now. The, the a shortage of jobs does. Uh, right. And that's the that's the genius of it. You pass it as a temporary pandemic measure when even I would be for it. And then as they've already pledged, you, you in, in a year you come back and you have another vote probably in another reconciliation bill to extend it. And then it becomes permanent whether there's a pandemic or not. So, uh, Yes, you're right. The, the, the pandemic is, is, is part of the brilliant cover. But the second thing is, uh, you know, the center on budget and policy priorities, which is always the, the straight, we have the numbers, the press treats us because we have honest numbers. They were, they were for anti-poverty measures. All they cared about was, was money, but they were sort of very sober and green eye shade. Now it's a piece out saying they've gone woke. Okay. Work requirements are racist. Uh, and they specifically cite the cover of the New Republic that came out in 96. Did it have when, your name on it? Oh, the one with a picture of the welfare mother? Of a, well, she was a, a, a young mother smoking with her infant. Uh, 
And the implication who, who was I'm guessing was brother. black. I'm guessing this one she was, was black. black. We, weren't you editor then? Aren't you responsible? I for did that? not run that cover. <laughs> I, I, um, I was only I was acting editor in, in 1989. So who I was I completely it, it, disavow? That was probably I, Andrew. It's probably well, yeah, could yeah. have been uh, what's his name, or could have been what's his name. No, could have. It was it was it was I, Andrew, then Rick, and then think, Michael. Kelly. I think I think it was an interim period when there were two players I won't identified at, at editing the magazine. Anyway, I co-wrote the editorial unsigned, but I did not have anything to do with the picture. Uh, and when I saw the picture, I goes, "Well, this is a little much." But um, you know, this is the, that is how Marty saw the issue. His wife was a therapist who treated many of the who worked with many of these families. This is Marty Parrott's owner, Marty Parrott's owner, owner and the owner of the New Republic, and. Uh, the editor was specific. The editorial was specifically geared to it being the culmination of, you know, Marty's crusades against the mm-hmm. culture of poverty. Uh, and so uh, I, I don't hold Marty against it. But now that cover is used as see among the woke people, see how. Well, the cigarette and does seem kind of gratuitous. Uh, well, it, sounds making, like- it, it is a fairly not essential, but a, but an important point. Do you think single mothers who never send, who are poor, whose only source of income is welfare, uh, and who never work, are good mothers? And as as and the, as, and the magazine uh, time savingly answered the question for you on the cover. Well, I it wasn't. It, I don't think it was a point that was made in the editorial. But but it, as somebody pointed out, if 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 you know if mothers taking care of their kids were so much better than strangers taking care of their kids. You wouldn't have Head Start. I mean, the whole Head Start is we can nurture, we can provide additional nurturing that is not provided in the home. Well, uh, yeah, but so, it was school too. It was educa- educational experts were running Head Start. I mean, right? But it's it's at it, a very, it wasn't very just that they weren't well. smoking cigarettes. That wasn't the idea right, behind it's Head very, Start. But it's but it's a bit, anyway. It's it's. It's an it's a debate that's worth having, and it's a big debate that's coming. <laughs> so far, you've only found one person who believes that, and he is you. But good luck in finding more. Oh no, um, there are a lot of people who think. Well, then you just say you the can... mothers who were on welfare were not very good. Okay, mothers. but I mean, as far as this bill goes, you 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 can't find any interest. No, now that and that's not essential to opposing the bill. So let's leave that issue aside because it is incendiary. Um, now, uh, but no, it's it's it's. There's some steam because, as I said, people are starting to boast about it. Ezra Klein has a column say, "We see we're sneaking through this great thing," by and it's a huge achievement for Biden. It's I agree, but it if, is you know, pretty income limited, at least, right? It sounds like seventy five thousand is a low number for somebody with a kid. Seventy five hundred. What? 70, oh, I thought you meant. Well, what's the income limit? What's the income limit? Seventy five thousand is 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 most an income of seventy five thousand for a single person is more than. Fifty no, percent of the population. No, I said somebody with a kid. Didn't I thought you said for somebody with a kid is more than fifty. Seventy-five thousand. You're 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 doing well if you make seventy-five thousand. Okay, I misunderstood. What is the income limit on this program? What is the ceiling? Seventy-five thousand for an individual. A hundred and fifty thousand for a couple. That's so most of the. American so it's the same population. as the original numbers for the for the bailout yeah, part okay. of the COVID bill, and maybe they'll fiddle with that. But it's most of the population will be getting these checks. But most of the population pays taxes, and they'll just see a, a you know a slightly lower tax bill. If you're poor enough not to pay taxes, you will actually get a check from the government. 
And if you add, maybe we covered this last week, if you add up the 6,000 for the kids to the 6,000 for food stamps to, and add in Medicaid and maybe welfare and maybe housing subsidies, you have enough to live on in large rural low cost parts of the country. So in the South where you can live cheaply, people are just going to be living on these child checks. I'm sorry. Well, it's if I were you, I would retreat on this year's version and start preparing to fight the extension of it uh, after well, a year. Well, that was always the plan all along. The the um. But, so let me ask you a related question. Like I just saw on Twitter that an amendment to add a minimum wage to the COVID bill had failed. I thought the parliamentarian had already ruled that minimum wage can't be handled via reconciliation, and I thought the whole bill was going to be handled via reconciliation. The whole bill is handled. That was a a move to, I believe, to stick it in and challenge the parliamentarian. And then the parliamentarian would rule, no, this is not in order. And then they would pressure Kamala Harris into overruling the parliamentarian. But anyway, six she Democrats. Do that. So it was all theater. It was but all six theater. Democrats defected on minimum wage, not just not just cinema and uh, mansion. Yeah, I don't quite know why they did that. I, I, It might have been to take the heat off Harris. It might have been because they thought this is all theater. It might be because they were sending a signal that they thought 15 was too high. Uh, uh, I, I don't know why they voted against it. Mm-hmm. I generally follow uh, Jake Sherman. of He has this new outfit called Punchbowl. He's formerly a Politico. And it, the, the Punchbowl is usually pretty on top of it. Uh, and they have not explained the votes. They just recorded them. So I await his explanation. It'll be explained tomorrow, I think. But I don't know. Anyway, so, so I can't even get people on my side concerned. And what's worse, the guy who's most active in this is Marco Rubio, who I've always not liked because of his stand on immigration. And he's sort of the only hero around on this. So bad well, day for Mickey. Well, on immigration, he's moving into Trump land, right? Aren't they all? He's moving as little into Trump land as he possibly could to maintain his viability. Okay. You know, I assume everything he does is political and not sincere. I think sincerely he is for amnesty. But, uh, but um, you know, but he's, I, I, he's moving more convincingly on this issue than on immigration. Now, can you um, tell me something? I mean, I have to say I've fallen off a little in my Bannon podcast listening because the plot just isn't moving as fast as it did back when, uh, you know, we were having an insurrection and stuff like that. But one, uh, I mean, I check in every once in a while to see what their big themes are going to be. And clearly one big one is like zombie Biden. Can you tell right. me, is, is this a big one on the right generally? You know, the idea that, that Biden is completely gone cognitively. You, Kamala has to follow him around and, you know... Finish his sentences you, for him. You see it, and he's had some terrible outings uh, where he stumbles and stammers. And uh, But I, I do not think the main fire on the right is not not saying that Biden is not calling the shots. He seems to be calling the shots. He probably uh, is you know, calling and, the shots. And, you know, you can, you can call the shots from the, your hospital bed if you if necessary. So uh, it, it's um, – uh, I, I, I think it's sort of a muted – a muted uh, complaint, but not the big complaint. They, they 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 do think, I think correctly that Biden is a political animal, and he sort of goes, you know, wherever the 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 the, the main chance of of politics of the moment is, which is why he's an effective negotiator, and he doesn't really have strong views, for example, on welfare, 
you know, he was for welfare reform in 96 and now he thinks now he's recreating welfare. And uh, do you really think he cares about uh, trans male athletes competing in women's sports? No, I don't think he cares about that. He's just doing what the interest groups want. So he's sort of a calculating machine uh, without, uh, you know, but with a touch of humanity, I agree with that. So um, uh, I, the one thing that can jeopardize it is Ron Klain is having a very high profile. He's, he's tweeting, he's calling people out. His Twitter feed isn't that impressive, but it's more interesting than the usual chief of staff's Twitter feed, which was non-existent. And the higher the profile Klain gets, the more people will say that he's the de facto president. Uh, and that's troubling. That's bad may, news for them. May, they've made a big deal of a couple of things lately. One was, I guess, Biden was addressing some people in Congress via Zoom or something. And then he said, OK, that's it. I'm happy to like take your questions. And then the White House cut the video feed off right. at that point. And then the the other thing is, I guess it has been. Is is it true that he has not done an unassisted press conference yet, where it's just him alone? He hasn't at the had press conferences, yeah. And he and there was one. There was one video where he was really saying, "Oh, I I'm help. I'm getting lost here." It was really bad. I I mean, look, I've always thought the decline was to some extent for real. I mean, I think he's capable of running the government for some time to come, but I don't think it's nothing. I mean, at the same time, they're making it seem so dark. You know, and one one thing I was wondering is, well, first of all, is it the case that on the right, there's just much more interest in conspiracy theories and there being some hidden dark plot and Kamala's secretly pulling the strings? I mean, you know, the left did, or at least the resistance did get caught up in a conspiracy theory of sorts, which is just reading too much into Russiagate related evidence. Right. But that wasn't a crazy theory. It just they, well, they this were, isn't a crazy theory either. The Kamala theory is crazy, but the idea that Schumer and Pelosi are basically telling Biden what to do right. on domestic policy is is not crazy at but all. But there all there are all these crazy theories on the right. There's QAnon, right? I mean, there there there's Obama. There's Birthergate. There's you I know. Think there's a, isn't there a left QAnon started too now? I think I don't know. I, I'm not aware of it. I mean, what is the left wing? Uh, okay. No, there there the and, and, and I'm. Am I crazy to think that some of that stems back to Bill Clinton when everybody knew, you know, the the end of the end of the era when politicians had to pretend that they were faithful to their wives? Everybody knew he was catting around and had a JFK style sex life. But his campaign was built on this edifice of lies, which is pretending he and Hillary were two for the price of one and were this great team. And uh, so there were all these conspiracy theories about how the edifice of, you know, what was really happening behind the edifice of lies that you didn't have before. Uh, and it turned out they were right. Well, uh, but that's a good so, example because they the, the, the theories went much deeper, remember? Supposedly Vince Foster was murdered, perhaps at Hillary's behest. And, uh, and you know, Janet Reno was having her love child or something. I mean, that was a little well, different, I guess. But the Vince Foster thing certainly merited an investigation. It didn't pan out, but... The theory was he had had an affair with he had been in love with Hillary and he was. Now, I will about say, it. I will say, Hillary herself is conspiracy minded. She actually used the phrase "vast right wing conspiracy." Said, sorry, I said Hillary herself is conspiracy minded. She used the phrase "vast right wing conspiracy." Yeah, seriously, which is just a bad, an obviously bad idea, even if you believe it. That that that's just an example of bad political judgment. But well, there was a right wing conspiracy. I mean, if you if you if you 
hang around Washington long enough, you you realize that there are sort of little conspiracies on wealth. On when I was in welfare, there was a conspiracy to release these numbers that show that welfare. When I was on writing about welfare reform, there were there was a conspiracy of the anti-poverty people to release leak these statistics and to get this op-ed in the Washington Post. And, you know, and they were they were an important player in the whole thing. And if you ignore them, you didn't know what was going on. And I'm sure the same thing is true with every other issue. Yeah, I was uh, worried. The blob, I, the blob was, is a conspiracy. I was worried that we wouldn't find our way back to welfare, but. Uh, the blob, I'm giving, I'm teeing thank up you, The thank blob you, yes. is a conspiracy. All roads should lead to policy. the blob. All roads should lead to the blob. Okay. Uh, uh, and, 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 and there's a conspiracy now of these. Uh, the Niskanen Center and and various right wingers. What's there. that? The, the aside from them, uh... it's an allegedly libertarian new think tank that is big in pushing these. Yeah, I know what it is. I mean, they they famously fired Will Wilkinson for a tweet that was obviously a joke. But okay, they they're well, not true libertarians. They're libertarian exiles right. who are liberals. Right. But the, you just get the impression that all these people know each other and they're thick as thieves. But wait, what's even, the... even though they have opposing views, Matt Iglesias. And Sam Hammond, and they're all they're all buddies. I've got an email from him in my inbox. Um, uh, he's unfortunately not as uh, uh, insubstantial as one would hope. (laughs) He he may he he caught wind of what I said about him on the last podcast. This is a more evidence of our vast influence, Mickey. You just you just say something disparaging about someone, and they magically email you. What? He said, when do I get my comeuppance? And, and, uh, he's had his comeuppance and he doesn't realize it. Um, so, but I, 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 wait, I want to, I want to say kind things about him right now because I think he and I are in the middle of a rapprochement and we don't even know each other. We, we have fought from afar. And, and, and I think, I think we're going to become good friends. So, so say what you will. You're you're probably going to, I'm not paranoid, Bob, but you're probably going to ally. In support of welfare, that would be uh, one conspiracy. Didn't you? Didn't you edit some of my anti-welfare diatribes in the nineties? I did not even knowing you during this part of your life, Mickey. Um, no, I, I, think, I don't think I did edit. No, not the magazine pieces. I, I, I was one of about thirty-five people who were editor of New Republic books at one you, point during the long and slow evolution of your book. You're, you're, you're. Totally rewriting history. You were the, my main advisor on the book itself. Oh, come on. That's not what the first you, draft of your acknowledgement said. But we will, we will get behind, into that in the parrot room. That's parrot room. You were behind room. the racist push for work requirements, Bob. Yeah, I remember the note I sent you saying, you know, Mickey, this book is good. I just don't think it's racist enough. Could you, like, <laughs> but, amp up the racism a little? Well, uh, you know, a reader pointed out, a, a viewer pointed out, Bob, that when I – uh, talked about the blues in a sort of fake urban patois. You took it up with gusto, so I think we should we should uh, maybe examine that episode, and and you may end up being canceled at the end of this. That was in the parrot room. But wait, what did I? Well, you get you get canceled for things in the parrot room. I don't what think I said anything. Uh, well, we'll go to the video tape, Bob. about it's the all blues. It's all on tape. I didn't have time to look at it before the show. But uh, we'll, it's all we'll, on tape. we'll we'll review the uh, the video. Let me, let me just say, I was not the editor of New Republic Books who signed up your book. I was not the <laughs> editor when it was published. Okay, I deny any involvement with you at any point in your life, including right now. 
Okay. Uh, fair enough. And, you know, it came with the territory. You want this job? You got to inherit Mickey's manuscript. Like Several editors have lived to tell the tale. Well, I, can count on your, I can count on your support. <laughs> Don't worry. And the pathetic thing is you're the biggest ally I have. So it's, like, <laughs> it's not looking good for you, then. It's not looking good. So I have you, I have you and Senator Rubio and Senator Lee. Uh, wait, we're on the same team? I'm on the same team as Rubio, Lee, and you? I, no, you're not. But uh, I don't think so. They are They are on the same team on this reinstitution of welfare. And the right is starting to wake up. It's possible that by the time it's made permanent that uh, people will have woken up to it. Good luck with that. Why are you so unkept? What's with the uh, several days I'm, growth of beard, the shaggy hair? What is, what's I going on in your life? I think I'm kept, Bob. I'm not wearing a hat because my kept, hair is in such a You're kept man. We got two. We we have two two uh, applications of shampoo and one of conditioner. I mean, there. My hair is in great shape, and I'm. I have totally uh, quit washing I, my hair, I, and it looks I, better I, than ever. I've ex- your hair looks very good. Thank I've you. Exercised, and and just because I'm wearing a sweatshirt doesn't mean I'm unkempt. You're Jeez. kept. Are you kept in the Sunset Boulevard sense of kept? No, kempt. Oh, kempt. You're kempt. Yes, as opposed to unkempt. Um, um, so the, what else is there? Don't David be Brooks controversy, the Donald McNeil controversy. Near my blob to thee, we have uh, <laughs> Nira Tannen's... Uh, oh, yeah, she bit uh, the dust officially. ...ascension to uh, unconfirmed she, office. Uh, she crashed and burned. What is she going to do now? She's going to be some advisor in the White House. I mean, the weird thing is they, these people... They fail to get confirmed, but then the people have already grabbed their old job, so they can't go back. The obvious one is Becerra. I mean, there's already this jockeying to take his job as Attorney General of California. If he's not confirmed and has to go back to being Attorney General, uh, Adam Schiff and a whole bunch of people are going to be disappointed. So that's probably not going to happen. Uh, why did she? Why did she go ahead and resign as president of? Uh, well, you. you Cap- she didn't have well, to do that. Well, because she probably knew she's going to get one job or the other. So oh. maybe being president cap isn't the greatest thing in a woke era. Would you want to run a think tank when everything anybody says is going to be accused of being racist? By the way, the uh, a couple of other nominees for uh, foreign policy positions had a kind of a rough going in front of their in their Senate hearings, partly at the hands of Democrats. Bob Menendez, the the truly nefarious Bob Bob Menendez. I think we can agree. We can, that's something we can rely on. Is is this? Well, what's, what's your beef with? What's your beef with him? Mine is that he's, he's a one neocon. of the gang of eight who pushed the oh. immigration bill. Yeah, let's let's definitely stage a mutiny. Let's let's get rid of him. Well, what did he do? Well, he's head of the, the uh, Foreign Relations Committee, so he has life and death power. Uh, and but, and he he forced he, he forced like Wendy Sherman to basically say, "Yeah, you're right. The deal I negotiated the first time was a terrible deal. We can do better," which is just embarrassing. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Well, anyway, so there, there are two theories, I guess, on why, uh, Tandon quit. One is, uh, that Murkowski said, you know, she wasn't going to vote for him and the votes weren't there. But, uh, the other is that she, they just kept her on so long to open a negotiating channel with Murkowski that is going to survive this nomination. In other words, Mikowski has put her demands on the table and they didn't want to meet them, but 
in the future, they may really need her vote for something, and she's Boy, a that, potential vote they could get. That's a very so, arcane theory, Mickey. That's not like arcane a, at all. That's it's like a, a, a conventional, bank totally shot. the conventional wisdom. That that wait, how does this work? That they now have, and they're boasting about it. They now have a line to Murkowski uh, that may come in handy later. They're looking for Republican defectors. They only have fifty what, votes because this opened up communication with Murkowski. Yes. How and about they just ask somebody for her phone number or something? Would that have worked? I don't get this. This this this, this is in a real world situation where they know the actual cards were put on the table. What cards? What did she say? What I'm happened? talking about aid for this industry, that industry in Alaska. Apparently, Alaska is really hurting, and they've killed the pipeline. That's what she says. She wants to show her constituents she's doing something. Uh, she's transactional. So she says. Bob. So she says this is what it'll take for me to vote for Nira. Um, they don't give it to her this time, but now they know what they could give her to get something else. Correct. This is see. I just Washington is a mystery to me. Thank you for clarifying that. That's why you're not president. Um, one, of, one of several reasons. There, well, there is a whole immigration thing now that we've brought up Senator Menendez. And plus, we, you can only spend so much time talking on about welfare. At some point, you got to change the subject. Not to really. I could talk for a while longer. <laughs> well, uh, but um, let's, let's do immigration instead. There was a time uh, when I was obsessed with welfare. Everybody thinks I'm obsessed with immigration, but there was a time when Mike Kinsley told me, Mickey, how about? One of every three items you write on welfare, you just don't publish. And I said, I already do that, Mike. Uh, so um, let me the- compliment you. Let me compliment you on this subject. You said weeks ago that there was a mess brewing at the border that Biden was at some point going to have to deal with. And it was going to become more and more conspicuous and salient. And right. that, that well, does it, it, seem to be happening. I, I'm reading more about this. Interesting things have happened. First the, the the mess is brewing on the border, but my view of it was always it was a dilemma for Biden, an insoluble problem, because if he lets people in, more people will come and they'll gradually build up and it'll be terrible PR to see millions of people, you know, stacked up at the border in bad conditions. And uh, but yet if he cracked down, he's being like Trump. OK, and the and the left gets upset. It turns out and this is a theory first broached by Neil Monroe of Breitbart and Jessica Vaughn, who's an expert at Center on Immigration Studies. Uh, no, they they are stoking it. Uh, Mallorca is basically doing things that encourage more people to come because he wants to let in as many people as possible, and he will use the humanitarian crisis as an excuse just to process them more efficiently and get them get them in more efficiently. You, you and then think more that's come, actually the and case? And they'll get in, too. You think that's actually the case? I think that is what he wants and the course he is pursuing. I think it might create so many political problems that I, you would think I, I don't think Biden it would, would not be it. viable. And the, the key thing that happened this week is they didn't vote on Biden's big amnesty bill in the House, which is controlled by Democrats. Right. And doesn't have a filibuster. Right. Because they took a, 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 a whip count. And it was so awful. There was no support for this thing. They didn't even bring it to the floor. Right. So that suggests that Biden is really suffering bad press on the immigration front. And this Mallorca strategy of sluicing as many people in as possible isn't going to fly. But so far, it's flying. He's still pursuing it. He, he said something just yesterday saying, you know, well, kids shouldn't be in detention. Families shouldn't be in detention. Well, that says to every family who might 
every person who might come with a kid, we're going to let you out. So more people are going to come. And you know, in summer, massively more people are going to come. This is not the time when they usually come. So that story is still developing, but it's not clear that he, that they don't want the crisis. That, you know, the crisis is a good thing for them. How widespread is this view get, that they want the crisis? Not that widespread. It's basically me and Neil Monroe and, <laughs> it's and all... Jessica Vaughn. And I don't even think that the people, on, the other people at the Center on Immigration Studies believe it. I don't think Biden wants the it's mess. It's so crazy. Right? Biden well, doesn't want the mess. Well, eventually they'll get around telling him and they'll put a stop to it. <laughs> That's not nice. He he can watch this the is, news. He knows. Well, you can read the polls, and the polls are apparently terrible. So you it. must have been pretty happy when this uh, when they backed off this bill in the House, right? This yeah, was no, a good one, day for Mickey. One of my issues is a nightmare welfare, and the other is is going okay. Uh, that's why I'm much more worried about the welfare thing, Bob, than the immigration thing. No, I'm but, wondering how they're going to handle the immigration thing because you know the the COVID thing complicates it. Uh, you know, they, they they people worry about people coming into the country with COVID. And then I heard, well, maybe they'll vaccinate them. And then you get complaints about that. Wait, American citizens can't get right. vaccines yet and you're giving it to them? Well, they, Mallorca, they're, they're trying to process them in 72 hours. So you show up at the border in 72 hours, you get a vaccine and we release you into the country. And then you have a hearing two years later that you never have to show up for. So um, uh, basically, it's a way to sluice a whole lot of people into the country. And uh, that seems to be. Well, the plan, the plan is to be so efficient that we can handle everybody. I got a feeling that if they vaccinate them, we're not talking Moderna or Pfizer here. That's my. Well, there's your Johnson and Johnson. There's there's a use for Johnson and Johnson. One and done. Um, The uh, hmm. Now, what about so Biden is supposedly talking to the president of Mexico. Somebody is about stemming the flow at Mexico's southern border. Now, Trump, Trump. Uh, got them to do some of that right, but I forget what leverage he used, and I don't know he what leverage Biden tariffs. Threatened tariffs. He threatened, he threatened tariffs, and the and the um, Mexicans were so scared of him. Being, he he, you know, he used the Nixon strategy of seeming to be an irrational madman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he actually scared them on tariffs, and they couldn't take a chance. So they and they, they you know they don't really love the migration from Central America either, uh, and their own people don't like it. So it's 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 a question of. Uh, it wasn't a big sacrifice, but Biden is trying. AMLO has sort of made a demand for a big Bracero program of of I think a, it's in the hundreds of thousands. It may even reach a million, but I think it's a hundred thousands of people who would be a lot Mexicans who would be allowed to come here, work, go back to Mexico, send their earnings back as as sort of an official program. And and he mentioned that I don't think Biden accepted it, but that seemed at least to people who I follow to be the price of him stanching the flow. That's a pretty heavy price. I don't mind some Bracero program, and I don't mind having a special relationship with Mexico where they get more people into America than other people. I mean, they're right on our border, and we have to be nice to them. But uh, uh, the number was pretty high. And it's a bad time, too. It's in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Um, So, Mickey... We're at an hour now, but we we must say something about Andrew Cuomo, right? Yeah, I have a contrarian view, which is which is apparently not contrary, and apparently every boomer has the same reaction, which is that what he did wasn't so bad. It doesn't merit 
kicking him out of office. It you was got a- the well, well, but there's two different categories of sin here. There's the Me Too, and then there's the hiding the data about the senior. Oh, well, that's a serious sin. The, the nursing home. He resigned over that. That would be fine. But there was a big or- revelation about that only yesterday. Right. You know? So no, but 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 the, I'm talking about the Me Too business. It seems to me if the Me Too business is going to yep. kick you out of office, you have to lunge or pounce or make some. Some well, he supposedly assault. did. He supposedly did kiss a woman on the lips without her permission at a wedding. Is 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 not that threatening? Do you I don't do know. that? Do you do that at weddings? Do you grab women and kiss them on the lips? Uh, you don't know, do you? I don't, young. I don't know. No, um, it, it was a, it was a that was bad, and it was Cuomo's a thug. I mean, he's he's not a pleasant guy. You don't want to deal with him. I'm just saying, just as a matter of sort of legal procedure, but, he, he wasn't. He wasn't like, you know, grabbing his staffers and fawning, fawning. Okay, them but wait, and- but wait, wait, wait. There is a difference. I mean, we, it's not like comparing him to, say, Leon Weaseltier, another Me Too miscreant, uh, whose name happens to spring to mind, is apples to apples. It's not because Leon was doing it back before the new rules. Cuomo, Cuomo did this allegedly after the new Me Too rules were published. Right. So don't I mean, it, the, doesn't the that matter? Too, but this isn't what Harvey Weinstein did. He didn't no, invite it's not what up. he did. But Harvey he didn't also invite them up to his apartment <laughs> oh, and good, show up in a my bathrobe. Good, my good friend Harvey. I don't know him. I don't know why I said Harvey instead of Weinstein. Um, the uh, but he did. He also did them before the new rules. He he, he wrote the new rules. I mean, the, the new rules, you know, were became official with the Harvey Weinstein story and with some stories thereafter. But the, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm kind of scratching my head, like, like, does Cuomo not read the newspapers? I mean, this is the kind of stuff, well, you had if the you same told me he did it with, 10 years ago, I'd say, well, of course, half of them did it back then. But now, it's like, he's not paying attention? I don't get it. Um, well, he's trying to, he's trying to, he, he seems like a guy who's aware of it and would have been much more blatant in the pre-rules era. And he's now trying to skirt them by saying things like, you know, I'm lonely. And do you sleep with older men? When was the last time you were hugged, Mickey? Um, That's what he asked one woman. I'm not asking you that. When okay. was the last time? Just I to clarify. No, 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 no. There's a pandemic. I've been hugged in a long time. You should uh, get a dog. You should get a dog. I'm allergic to dogs. But um, the uh, when was the last time you've been hugged? Yeah, okay. Um, you know, they're... And and she said, well, uh, I I think the the woman said something like, well, I hugged my mother or father, blah blah blah, and he and he said something like, no, I mean really hugged. Yeah, okay, creepy. We're approaching Packwood territory, and I didn't even think what Packwood did was so awful. Oh, but Packwood uh, I was guess worse. I'm a miscreant. I mean, this was pre me too, but I think he just was grabbing women and fondling them and stuff. I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> basically. <laughs> But my attitude well, was, if you took all the happy marriages that started with a guy grabbing a woman and following her, that would be some a weight to put in the other side of the scale. So I realize that point of view has lost out. If ever there was a transition to the parrot room, if ever there was a conversation <laughs> to be continued in the parrot room, Mickey, you're right. Today, today, what Packwood did looks terrible. <laughs> it but didn't look great. Sub- at the, it didn't look great at the time, Mickey. This was sub Packwood. Didn't look great at the time. Um, anyway, I, but but apparently the the. You know, young people these days think he clearly crossed the line and it was a toxic workplace. So, Yeah, I mean, he got three three women already. That's, you know, 
You got to think they, this may be the. It's tip the of gravity the of what they allege. It's not the. It's not the number. Yeah, no, it, this is stuff that, uh, for the most part, you know, if you had heard about it twenty years ago, you would have you would have said, well, "Isn't this, uh, you know, isn't this pretty common?" And the answer would have been I, yes. But the rules have changed, as they should. Uh, as I don't they think he's going to be removed. I yeah, mean, I don't think this is enough yet, unless there's something, some other shoe to drop. Anyway, that's that's my line. What's your line? I mean, maybe he's actually maybe he's lucky that there's something to distract us from his uh, fudging the, the nursing home death data, which is pretty egregious. There is a contrarian take, Bob. Thank you. I could write that for Slate. You could write that for Slate. You, yeah, that's takes me right back. Those were the days. So should you we? Could, uh, you could go to Substack. You could churn out churn out takes like that for Substack. And oh, that reminds me. We've reached the plugging stuff part of our podcast. So there is my non-zero newsletter, and boy, does that paid version of it bring a lot of like special content. Um, like for example, on Monday. Uh, oh well, never mind. Anyway, there was something. Something on Monday. You know, I've been publishing three a week, three a week, Mickey. You, you don't look as tired as you should. Last week, I I, I did. Last week, you looked as tired as you should. This yeah, I know because I. This, had, week, this yeah. week, you look better. Um, um, but also, there's your your uh, your Cal's Files newsletter. There's your, well, I, have there's, a, I have a newsletter on subject that comes out at the uh, terrifying clip of one a month. Uh, but, but there was a pretty recent one, and for people interested in welfare, it's just the just the thing that uh, the doctor ordered. Was slightly technical. They reprinted it in Newsweek, and boy, did it disappear from the homepage quickly. And uh, and it had some complaints. So, what are you using all these acronyms like AFDC? This is pretty technical stuff. And they were probably right. Newsweek's where it all began, right? Isn't that where you originally helped popularize the term underclass? Decades ago, low these many years I had, ago, I didn't popularize the term underclass. It was popular by before. I take know, by, it back. But you we, were at Newsweek. Wilson, Wilson and Ken Oletta both. Okay, I take it. Never, uh, mind, never mind. Talked about the underclass, and then there was an academic definition of underclass by Isabel Sawhill. None of that had anything to do with me. And it, it, the key point that I, you know, the re, the reason I don't think I'm going to get away with bringing it up is. Not all underclass areas are African American. They're white underclass areas. They're a well, lot more of than Latino. ever, right? I mean, that's what Trump is about, partly. It's a good, interesting question of whether the Trump deplorables technically con- constitute an underclass area. The pre- the previous white underclass pockets were uh, around Baltimore and around, I believe, Dayton, Ohio, and they were hillbillies. In other words, mm-hmm. it really helps if you want to create an underclass. Some sort of prejudice is sort of an important ingredient. In other words, you want to create an insular community where people can't go get a job because they're discriminated against everywhere they go. And that obviously happens to black people. It could happen to Latinos. And it could happen in some areas to hillbillies. Doesn't usually happen to just generic white people. Okay. So we will. Uh, So so that's. But anyway, I can't bring that up because then I brought up the topic of race and then I'll definitely be canceled. We'll bring it up in the parrot room. I, I will tell you about uh, walking across Missouri uh, three years ago with my daughter who walked across the whole country. Um, I hate it. Missouri is the state I least like to drive through. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the David Brooks uh, supposed scandal. 
you're you're familiar with the David Brooks Post game. Well, also also Donald McNeil. We heard his side of the story, right? We can talk about that. You know, the guy who was uh, fired from the New York Times they, using the N word. We're never um, going to. He's still writing him. We're never going to stop hearing his side of the story. Is Tucker Carlson a socialist, as Glenn Greenwald claims? We will answer that question. Does Greenwald like that or not like it? Well, Glenn is kind of a socialist. I yeah, think he so thinks he, it's a he good. He says that approvingly, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that would okay. be a compliment coming okay. from him. Um, okay. the, uh, what else? Oh, I want to talk about the January 6th hearings in Senate uh, a little bit. Uh, I have the, an apology. Go ahead, sorry. Go, no, I'm done. Go ahead. I have an apology to make, uh, to Mike Pesca. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, you were kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Um, That'll happen um, in Parrot Room. I, Amazingly I, rich Parrot Room we seem to be headed toward. Um, and, uh, I guess that's it. We can talk, and we're going to, we're going to, um, you know, talk about whether you cross the line and are going to be canceled for your, my blues for your patois. Yes. I I have no recollection of this for your racist patois. I have no recollection. Um, And I have, um, I have a confession to make too. In the pair room. That's great. Not a a big confession. I was going to say we could talk about – we talked about the Woody Allen case last time, and and the only thing I have to add to that, I might as well add now, which is I have determined that, yes, this Woody Allen – the documentary on HBO is totally a Pharaoh and company production. This is – There was a – Megan Down uh, linked to a – who seems to be on the Woody Allen side of the story – linked to a very nasty review of that documentary about how it ignores all the evidence on Allen's side. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the battle lines are drawn. Apparently, there are not too many people on Allen's side. Not, the side I'm on is that anybody who's confident that they know what happened, I think, is just uh, really bad at evaluating evidence. Um, but uh, was, it a, was it an electric train set or just a, you know, play school train set? I think that's what it turns on. You're getting into the weeds here. That's for the Parrot Room. And uh, people can <laughs> gain access to the Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room. Other promotion-related things they should – we haven't said in a long time, smash the like button on YouTube. Please smash the like button. You said Please. that last time. No, I think I said rate and review the right show, which I would like to repeat. Oh, rate and review okay. the, the right show. I thought this is the right show. This is the right show, but <laughs> that's why I'm using this as the vehicle. This is commonly done in podcasts, Mickey. People say, okay. rate and review this podcast. And then we then we sell some horrible coffee. Now, that reminds me. You know, the, what's the right-wing coffee company? What's I it called? The- it's not like Ricochet. What is it? Damn it. Anyway, it's funny. Uh I had been listening to these National Review podcasts with Andy McCarthy because he was interesting about the the you know the impeach the electoral fraud fraud stuff the impeachment stuff and and it was always brought to us oh what is it's black something coffee anyway um then January sixth happens uh and uh and somebody on somebody following it was uh. Damn it, what was the name of that coffee that they advertised on National Review? Somebody was saying, oh, this guy has a, uh, whatever the call, co- oh, Black Rifle Coffee, was it, or something? Um, I don't know. It- yeah, it's Black Rifle Coffee. And, uh. Never heard of it. And there was a big deal about how some of the people, uh, on, in, uh, in, uh, um, 
and the riots had black uh, rifle company patches. And from that moment on, no more Black Rifle Company ads on the National Review podcast, huh. beginning at that moment. And I guess it 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 had famously far-right connotations or something? I don't know. Weird. Anyway. Well, I, I buy all my groceries now at Erewhon, which is this super expensive natural foods chain. Uh, and it's so super expensive that there are very few people there, so I figure it's safer to go there. But I guarantee you they do not stock Black Rifle. Black Rifle, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, well, they, n- they nor the places I shop. The fair trade coffee isn't that bad. So I, I drink left wing coffee. It hasn't had an effect yet. Apparently not. Okay. So, uh, I guess, uh, uh the upshot of all this is that we will see you in the parrot room. See you in the parrot room with Mickey. Mickey is showing us at this moment, the may, vial of death. I may have some vial of death. Jam live in, from the parrot because if it's called Vile of Death, you know it's, it has to be. It's got to be good. Okay, we'll see you there.